Welcome back to Three Black Docs with Dr. Tiffany, Dr. Karen, and Dr. Zanetta. Another October is upon us. Breast Cancer Awareness Month has come around once again. All of my pink clothes are out of my closet. Um, it's that time of year. But, you know, I wanted to talk to you guys. Did y'all see um, what Mary J. Blige said about mammograms? I did not. Yeah, all right. So Mary J. Blige um, partnered with a company to raise awareness um, about breast cancer. Probably ongoing, but of course, the campaign started this month. And she said, this is a quote I'm reading to you from the article. She said, quote, I didn't know about breast cancer or mammograms until I was 40. And I was in the music business and I was trying to take care of myself. And then she goes on to say that her aunt died from breast cancer. Her grandmother died from cervical cancer. And one of her aunts died from lung cancer. And she said, what happens is they end up in the hospital and there's no one in our family speaking about it when we're younger. Mm. Oh. Right. And, you know, I, I just thought, again, kudos to her, you know, for coming out and sharing that that's her story and acknowledging the fact that we talk about a lot here, you know, that people don't want to talk about it in their families, even. Families where, you know, cancer is rampant. Um, and now you have someone who is rich, famous, <laughs> access to all the health care that she wants, who says she doesn't she didn't even, you know, hear about it until she was 40. Mm-hmm. And really trying to like figure it out and take care of herself. So what I wanted to say about this for this breast cancer awareness month. Now that this is our second one, because remember, we did one last year. Time is flying. Right. Um, and I think when we talked about it last year, we talked a lot about, you know, just straight education and here are the things you need to know. But this time around, I mean, I would really like to get into more of just needing to be more open in our families, you know, with our friends around the diagnosis. Um, so that we don't have somebody, you know, who's 40 and just now hearing about starting mammograms. You know, it's interesting that Mary J. Blige said that because I'm on a group text with my line sisters and one of them texted me the other day and said, am I supposed to get a mammogram? Like, when do you recommend I get a mammogram? I was like, uh, two months ago, because I know how old she is. And Mm -hmm. she was like, well, my doctor told me to wait until I'm 50. And I said, your doctor said, what? And, and this is a highly educated woman with cancer in her family. And her doctor told her that she would be at increased risk of having a false positive And she just needed to wait until she was 50. And so mm. I was pretty shocked. Because I thought the word was out there. I thought people knew that they needed to have a mammogram. One of the most common questions I've been at, I've been asked after that prompted a lot. Some of my other line, line sisters chimed in. The next question was, do we have to do it every year? And wow. I was like, whoa. Wow. So if, wow. if, if these women 
don't know this, we are not reaching the masses. People yeah. are confused. And I'm not even sure that we can really go deeper until we can make it clear, get your mammograms starting at age 40, get them every year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and keeping along this Delta Sigma Theta <laughs> line, I, um, I'm making a video for our chapter. And I had a few of the women in the chapter, they did little snippets for me for this video. And one of my sorors is in her 30s and is, um, has a strong family history of BRCA2. Like she has BRCA2. And this is a Black woman. And so um, I don't think that a lot of Black people even really realize that if you have a family history of breast cancer, you really need to be evaluated and really get to know your family history because it's not just the Angelina Jolie's of the world who are at increased risk of breast cancer. So... Yeah, this is a discussion that has to start way before you're 40, right, with your doctor. Um, a conversation about what your family history is, what your risk is, just as a Black woman, um, you know, and if you should consider earlier screening, um, if you should consider different types of screening, depending on your family history or, you know, whether that first mammogram shows dense breasts and all of those things. And, you know, I think we've gone into that before. But again, this conversation has to start in the 20s and 30s, right? Of, listen, here's the situation. When should I start being screened? And with what test? Am I high risk for breast cancer? Um, to me, I'm always a little bit, I, I guess I shouldn't still be shocked by it, but you know, I'm, I am kind of surprised to hear your, the stories, you know, that you're saying and to read this article that I read, you know, with Mary J. Blige saying what she had to say about just not being aware, because I think, again, I tend to take for granted that, yeah, everybody knows you're supposed to start by then, right? Everybody knows it's supposed to be every year, right? And it's like, yeah, to your point, I mean, you made this comment, well, here she is, she's rich and has access. You know, money doesn't yeah. give you information, right? It, Ooh, money yeah. does not ensure that you Can have you say that again? All of <laughs> 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 oh, see. Yeah, I don't even know what you I said. said. Just money money does, does not mean you have information. Yeah. And I, I think that's part of you know, the challenge is that, and I think she's highlighting the importance of making sure that we are sharing knowledge. You know, I just looked up one of the articles, I don't know if it's the same article that you, you know, had mentioned, but, you know, it's like, look, you know, we have got to stop the secrets in the families. We need to have the conversations amongst each other. We need to talk about the fact that there are disproportionate impacts on communities of color. And there was even the one article I was looking at talked about racism in the whole month. I'm not going to get into that, but I do think it's really important. I mean, we've had the conversation as three black dogs around the importance of awareness about family history, but more importantly, just knowing the basics. Like, just know the basics in terms of, you know, your health and well-being and prevention. Um, 
and you know, it is, it is hard. I think we do take it for granted. I did not have growing up. I don't remember having a primary care doctor. So that is something that I know is still not part of black culture is people having a trusted clinician, you know, healthcare provider that they go to regularly and routinely. Some of that is related to lack of access and not having appropriate insurance, but some of it is just around awareness and lack of time, frankly, lack of friggin' time because people are working or have other, you know, priorities in their lives. So I didn't have health insurance until medical school. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there would be a lot of people who wouldn't have mm-hmm. medical insurance if it weren't for the Affordable Care Act. Now, some would argue that, well, they shouldn't force people to get insurance who don't want it. But we've got to try to figure out a way to improve the culture around prevention. But again, just having insurance doesn't mean people have access. They still need to find a provider. And how many times, you know, when I was at, when I came down to North Carolina even, when I was in Boston, I couldn't find a primary care provider. Everybody's closed out because they're so busy. It's incredibly um, hard. And I literally had to beg somebody. It was like, look, I promise <laughs> you I'm easy. Like, I promise you I'm just going to come and see you once a year. You know, maybe if there's something emergent, but for the most part, it's just going to be a well check and a thumbs up, you know, but it's hard, you know, so for families and, um, you know, I think there's this issue with people going to emergent cares or, or you know emergency centers, you know, emergency medical centers, what am I saying? Emergency departments and urgent care centers for their for their care instead of having that relationship where they can get the information they need about their health and well-being, right? Yeah. So a couple of things. I definitely take all of that for granted because I was sickly as a child. So, so yeah. I mean I was at the doctors like it was like school, home, doctors, clinic, hospital, you know. So, so I, I've been interacting with the medical since I can first remember. So I definitely take that for granted because I'm like, you didn't spend every Saturday at clinic? <laughs> like, you weren't admitted to the hospital once or twice a year? No? Okay. Um, so, no, I, I definitely take that for granted. Hmm? But even Tiffany, I think about even about that. So, but it sounds like you had healthcare providers, that it wasn't as if you were getting your healthcare from the emergency room, which is what right. a lot of people yeah. do. That's so what a I lot did. of people do that now. Growing up. And, you know, so even if they are sickly, I can't tell you how many families that I know who their children have asthma. And instead of them having an allergist, you know, they're going to the emergency room and that's where they get their kids, you know, or they go to urgent care to get a nebulizer. And so there's not the care that's needed to say, instead of us having an acute, you know, acute issue once a month or twice a month, how about we get your asthma under control by you seeing a specialist who then can provide you the other types of medicine that will actually make this better, right? Instead of you coming for a nib, you know, or whatever. So I think that's the other component and that's where the education comes in because while it may take you a couple of months to get in to see a specialist, the whole point of going to see a specialist is to improve your quality of life, right? To, to provide, you know, information around your disease and to see if there might be other opportunities for improving your health and well-being or the health and well-being of your children. But that's, I don't think that's standard for a lot of families. Yeah. You know? No, I would agree with that. Um, but in the, in the vein of, you know, 
basic stuff, right, that, that we overlook. Something else that came out in one of the talks that I've given this month virtually for Breast Cancer Awareness is I was talking about, you know, just how to do a, um, a breast self-exam mm. and starting with looking at yourself in the mirror naked from the waist up. Oh, Lord Jesus. And looking for... Oh, is, for is that not a thing? Do people not do that? Ooh, no, I, I try to look at myself and oh, I'm really? dead, yeah, what you talking about. Karen, okay, you got to look at it. You got to turn around, look at the brown. You are the people I'm talking about. Look at you. I I already told you. I I started to look, turn around, look at the brown just because you told me to. Uh You know, every once in a while. Look look up, look at the cup. Uh -uh. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I I, I get my mammograms regularly and I do my own self breast exam, but I am not trying to look at that stuff in the mirror. I'm just saying, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been very insecure about my body. Yes. I've always been overweight. I've been overweight most of my life. So yeah, I'm very uncomfortable looking at myself in the mirror. And maybe that's, a, you think about the fact that 70% of African-Americans are obese and overweight. Maybe that's why they're looking in the mirror. I know it. So how are we going to get past this? Right. We, we need to be looking in the mirror. You you need to be I'm looking hanging. in the mirror. I'm hanging up. I'm I'm hanging up now. Um, <laughs> I got something to do. I don't and, know what and it is. seeing if there's differences, seeing if there's changes in the skin. See, you know, like hands on your hips. <laughs> let, your, let your backbone slip. That may or may not have happened in our house. Wow. Well, that's funny. We didn't even get past your first point, Tiffany. What? what, No, you're looking in the mirror. Okay, so here it was. I was giving this talk and I was surprised, you know, that some of the feedback was that they had never heard that you're supposed to look at yourself in the mirror and look for differences, right? Um, And 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 differences differences in color. Yes. So it, I was doing, I was talking about it in the context of inflammatory right. breast cancer, since we're, we're going to do a little bit of educational piece here. Um, and so as you two know, it's a different um, presentation than having a bump in the breast, right? It's redness mm-hmm. on the skin or redness on the skin or something that looks like the skin of an orange peel. So I was talking about it in context of looking in the mirror to make sure there were, you know, everything looked about even and looking for changes on the skin surface, um, et cetera. And a, a lot of the folks said that was the first time they had heard that as part of a, um, as part of a breast self exam. Yeah. That's not something that I typically tell patients like to look at themselves in the mirror, but of course I'm look come from the person who doesn't do it, <laughs> but you know, what, what you, so remember the hang cards that that have been mm-hmm. standard in terms of breast self exams have been really about feeling for lumps, right? Mm-hmm. Remember, inflammatory breast cancer is quite rare, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, so that's not something in terms of looking for skin changes, but certainly knowing if there are changes in terms of what your nipple looks like or if it's, it, right. you know, that sort of stuff. I mean, but you mm-hmm. can feel that. You don't have to look in a mirror at that. But I hear what you're saying, doctor. I hear what you're saying about you know, looking at yourself in the mirror. I'm not saying I'm going to do that, but yes, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> we have to take a break. We'll be right back. 
Want more Three Black Docs? Visit threeblackdocs.com to meet the docs, read our blog, and get access to more 3BD content. So what I was going to ask you guys is what is what is one often overlooked fact? Has anything come up in the course of you talking to people or giving talks or you know, anything like this that's come up in the course of conversation that you were really surprised about that you would like to just put out there and say, we should be doing this to take care of yourself? Anything? Well, I, I think we already touched on on the thing that surprised me, and it was the fact that women didn't know that this was a yearly occurrence. And and I think yeah. some of the confusion has to do with the changes in guidelines and um, I think that's yeah. been enough to. No, I, I, I think it's. It, it preceded all that. What'd you say? I said the, the confusion preceded the change in guidelines, but the change in guidelines is more recent. Right. Well, I, I, I hope that was the problem. I think it's the messaging that, that. So this is where communication, this is why it's important to have a public health strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's so much misinformation and that. The communication, it was all about, it back in the 80s and 90s, it was all about, get your mammogram, you know? And they had a campaign, Pink and Black campaign, and making sure that Black women were aware to kind of go and get their screening, but it wasn't talked about in the form of getting annual screening mammograms. That wasn't the conversation. It was just get out and get a mammogram because there were Black women who weren't getting the mammogram. So this was a conversation I've been having for probably the past 15 years. It's like, you know... It's not just enough to go and get one mammogram. You have to get it annually. And that's why it's called an annual screening mammogram. But again, the messaging is just about mammograms save lives, but you know, it doesn't talk about the frequency. So mm. some of that's in healthcare communication and figuring out better ways to communicate that. Um, but you know, I do look, I'm not negating the fact that there's been right, mis- right. like not misinformation, but guideline changes. So 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 go ahead and so and there's differences between what happens in the United States versus what happens elsewhere, Correct. right, in, in the UK, right? Here's a tip. I get mine um, around my birthday every year, so I don't forget. Just if anyone, you know, that mm-hmm. idea of it needs to be every year, you know, think about it around your birthday. Janata, what do you think also is going on around that? that lack of information though or lack of awareness i don't know there seems to be such a disconnect because i was fairly certain that at least women physicians were advising other women to get their mammograms i i I must say like i was shocked when i heard that a physician told my line sister like oh no 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 don't 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 get your mammogram until you're 50. And then also was wrong on the colonoscopy oh. guidelines. So, I mean, I, yeah. and this is with a family history of colon cancer. <laughs> like, I'm like, really? I'm like, what uh, are we doing? And so if we can't trust, yeah. I don't know. Um, yes. The, so, oh, go on. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to answer Tiffany's, one of Tiffany's other questions. Since I've been in Florida, the thing that I've been very surprised about is that a lot of women don't realize that hormone replacement therapy is a risk factor for breast cancer. And people are not telling them to come off of hormone replacement therapy. And I've seen more of that than I thought I would. Mm. So, you know, 
Um, just you want to talk about hormone replacement therapy for folks who might not <laughs> yeah. know exactly what So that hormone is. replacement therapy, this is basically taking estrogen products um, to alleviate the symptoms of menopause, primarily hot flashes, vaginal dryness, just the fatigue, insomnia, just the, the stuff that comes with menopause. We do know that estrogen-containing products will help those symptoms but we also know that estrogen can be a big driver of breast cancer. And um, you should really be thoughtful before taking um, those products. And if you're on it, you should be on it for the shortest amount of time at the lowest dose possible and realize that this is a risk factor for breast cancer. So I've seen pe women who are, who've been on it for over a decade and not a soul has told them that this is a risk factor for breast cancer. Yeah. So. Yeah. And what was it, what was the big um, study that was done? Yeah, that was, because many people don't know that hormone replacement therapy was actually also given because it was thought to help improve cardiovascular health. So right. heart health. So there was was it the uh, Women's Health Initiative? Uh, or it, it, it was something like that. Like the the big um, study that came out in the nineties, actually that showed right, that right. Um, taking increased doses of estrogen um, was associated with worsened cardiovascular disease, increased the risk for blood clots, mm -hmm. um, and so did not have the protective effects that we thought it did. On the heart and increased risk and, of breast cancer. Right. right. So, so yeah, so I think this is, Part of the challenge, I think, is, you know, I'm fascinated that there are still lots of folks who are on hormone replacement therapy. But let me tell you something. This is part of the challenge of medicine. I, I saw it when I was in places where the patients were dictating their care, right? Where patients say, I must have an MRI for my breast cancer or for my breast. I'm like, no, that's not an MRI is not standard screening for you. Mm -hmm. like, you yeah. You know, 60 years old, you have no family that's history, right. that's not part of your standard screen, right? But they come and they insist, 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 and some doctors would fold. Same thing with people having hot flashes and they're like, oh, what was me? You know, they sometimes the doctors think, you know what, I'm just going to give what you want, you know, which is a shame because it shouldn't be that way. Um, it really should be that physicians are holding to certain standards. But to your point, there's a lot of, of misinformation, even amongst physicians. And I think part of it's because you know, guidelines change, especially when it comes to screening. Let's talk about screen, just screening, right? I think that the hormone replacement therapy stuff, I thought that was dispelled 10 years ago, but... Me too. You know, whatever. But at least the screening guidelines, we can say, look, primary care physicians are incredibly busy. They have so many different things going on. Oftentimes, cancer is not necessarily 100% all they think about. They certainly think about screening, but they may not necessarily be up to date with the most recent screening, you know, information. Plus. When the, when the U.S. Preventive Task Force, you know, comes out and says something, that's what they're going by. So if they pull it up and that's what they're looking at in terms of screening guidelines, or if they have electronic health records where they go by the U.S. PFTF, that's what's going to come up. And so that's the information they're giving to people. And, I, and that's why I say, hold up, that ain't for Black women, number one. Like, that is not for Black women because we were not included in those studies. So I'm like, they can say whatever they want to, but you need to insist, Black woman, that you're going to get your mammogram every year. I don't care what they say, right? But 
that's probably part of the issue is that there are people who are not in the space where they're hearing the conversations. We're in academia, right? So as academics, we talk about this stuff, you know, ad nauseum sometimes. Whereas if you're in private practice and you just roll and you're like, okay, let me pull up the screening guidelines, bloop, that's what you get. This is why this is important to raise awareness. This is why we're telling people to advocate for themselves or encouraging them to advocate for themselves and saying, here's some information. Go to your doctor, have these conversations, right? We can't obviously tell somebody else what to do. But the beautiful thing about mammograms is that you don't need your primary care doctor to get one. Would you say that again? You just call up. Would you say that again? Mm-hmm. You, do, you do not need a doctor's note, permission, prescription. If you are 40 and my, over, you, you do not need it. You do not. All you need to do is pick up the phone and call your local mammographer, right? And it's going to be a breast cl- best breast clean, uh, screening clinic or you know breast care clinic or whatever. You just call and you say, I would like to get mm-hmm. a mammogram, please. Done. 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 One other piece that I think I am very dismayed by is that people don't understand the importance of prevention. There are things that can be done to prevent cancers yes. and to reduce risk. So it's reduction, it's risk reduction for breast cancer versus prevention. Because as long as you have breasts, you're always going to be at risk, right? But the things with respect to our yep. own personal um, behavior. What we have, what we control are the things that we do. And so my big plea to people is please know that you can reduce your risk for for breast cancer by A, not smoking, and B, reducing your weight or thinking about weight management. That includes exercise and what you put in your, in your body. Those are the two big things that you can do to help reduce your risk for breast cancer. But let's, but, okay. But, but we would also be remiss. I was about we to did, say, we were talking about uh, this let's, we bring, let's bring it up. Gotta, let's bring it up. I can't hear anything. Mm-hmm. And, and, right. and, and, and Tiffany, and we're talking about limiting alcohol. What and, and what does that mean? Correct. We're talking about limiting alcohol. Right. So that means no more than one drink a day for women on average. Actually, in terms of breast cancer risk, no alcohol is best. Um, <laughs> but if you, you know as y'all can come over to the tea her, her, her head, her arm. Um, can't wait because she doesn't nope. drink. And, and, you and should let, okay. see the look of disappointment okay. on Karen's the, face. The, the best, the best amount of alcohol. We, well, I can see it. The best amount of alcohol when it comes to breast cancer Next. risk is no alcohol. However, uh, if if you, you choose, choose to, to drink, as I do, uh, you know, um, I still drink. If you choose to imbibe, then just know what the limits are. You know, think about limiting your alcohol um intake and can you know, i save it up make, all for one day so if i like so, go all week and don't drink and have seven drinks at one time oh that's not good okay i just figured no, out that. You cannot, <laughs> no you cannot that's, no you th- cannot that math so, ain't mathing the, the, the least is best all right it's it sure it, it is surely not mathing so but yeah mm. no those are those are the biggies right um 
weight, mm-hmm. movement, yeah. diet, alcohol. So, so prevention strategies, no. making sure you're going and getting your screening mammograms so we can dispel those myths as well. And I still encourage people to make sure you get your primary care provider. You mm-hmm. got to have a team that is actually helping you to do the best, you know, to take care of your health. You don't have to know all this stuff yourself, but you've got to have somebody who's a trusted advisor. So. Like what you hear? Make sure you rate and subscribe. Three Black Docs is available wherever you get your podcasts. Three Black Docs is not intended as medical advice. All opinions are our own. Three Black Docs is produced by Winx Productions.